All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listen to question about a topic that they were interested in by visiting our website, which is techgumbo.net. But this week, instead of a listener question, we've got a guest, and our guest is a returning guest. It's LSU cybersecurity professor Abe Begeely. Abe, welcome back to Tech Gumbo. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me back, and I'm still waiting for my gumbo from last time. Oh, and that's my fault. I'm shortchanging you the gumbo. I gotta get. I gotta get up on that. It's gotta be the right like, weather. Now that it's 80 degrees outside, it doesn't quite hit the same. That's true, but I feel like uh, I feel like you're stringing me along so that I can come <laughs> back again and again just to, to ask you again and again for gumbo. <laughs> you got me. You got me. You got me all figured out. I'm gonna go to those text for image websites and and type make me a gumbo and. and <laughs> Get a virtual gumbo from you. That sounds like a plan. So we wanted to have you back because you've been doing some interesting research in the metaverse. Tell us what's been going on over there. So I always start by telling people that the metaverse doesn't exist. It's a very interesting concept where you're supposed to basically have an alternate world to be in. I'm, I'm sure if you're a geek like me, you've watched Ready Player One already. So, so I see you both, you know, shaking your heads. It's like, yeah, yeah, we watched yep. that. Read the book so, too. Read the book? Okay. I just watched the movie. I'm lazier than <laughs> So So that's what it's supposed to be. And that's really what Meta is trying to do, right? To get into that, into that domain. But yes, the, I'm focused on virtual reality and augmented reality, or what we call XR, which is extended reality. So you can replace the X by every other term. It's very interesting because this technology is being built very quickly but they're not really thinking about the security implications of all of the stuff that we could potentially do in there. So so I think a lot of my research, or, or I know a lot of my research from my students has really been focused on, you know, new type of attacks that are possible in these areas, how to mitigate some of those uh, attack surfaces. What will be some examples of some types of attacks which may be new, or maybe attacks that were old but have a new spin on them now that they are in the metaverse? So that's a good question, I think, at least some of our work, I, w- I would basically say that the, the actual technical components of the attack are the same because it's the same technology, right? You have the internet, you have TCP IP, you have a lot of the stuff that you see inside of the virtual reality glasses are actually served through a web server, right? So a lot of that stuff is is the same old techniques, but the impact of the attack is different. So one of the things that we did was we showed through 
there's there's a platform where you join and you start looking at other you know you could watch like let's say a movie with your dad if you're in two different locations or with your girlfriend or, or whoever you want to right and we found a way to be able to uh using an xss attack right which is something that everybody does a cross-site scripting attack you know we were able to Basically, if you joined a room, you would complete, you would get infected, you know, infected and it would be like a pandemic. And then what that allowed us to do, because of how Unity, which is Unity is the development platform that they use to develop like AR and VR experiences and things like that. We found a bug in it where there's a function called open URL, which is supposed to open a URL like you would do on a web browser, but I could pass it a calculator, I could pass it like an EXE, I could pass it, you know, a URL and it would download something onto the person's computer. So what that allowed us to do essentially is gain access to every person in that platform without them downloading anything on the computer. We could we could stream their their screen, we could open up their mic and listen to what they're doing. We could do all these things. So that's old, right? I can talk about new attacks if you want me to, but it's still interesting. There was an attack I don't remember exactly which piece of code it was, but there was some very old piece of code that within the past two years, I want to say, it was discovered a very similar problem wherever at some point in time there was a URL opener that was not properly parsed. It wasn't properly safeguarded. And so that's interesting that like there's so many different lines of code inside of a large program like Unity. I, I bet it's in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. And all it takes is one single line to not have the right safeguards around it and everything falls apart. Yeah, and I think what's more interesting is when we notified them, they basically said it's a function of the of the function, right? And and all they did after pushing them was they basically added to their documentation, like be careful when you use this function because it could do X, Y, Z, right? So there was improper parsing on the application level, but then the, the the technology behind it allowed us to even take it further, right? So so that was one part. But then the, the the other really cool thing was we created a new we created other kind of attacks, right? So one is what we call the chaperone attack, where if you've ever used VR, you create like a fake wall so that if you get close to the fake, like you create a fake wall that's close to the real wall, and you want to do that because you can't see anything around you. So if you approach the fake wall, you won't hit the real wall. Right. And what you know, what we were able to do is basically modify that. So essentially anyone in that environment could just hit a wall and then they would hurt themselves. Right. We did another attack, which was really interesting, called the man in the room attack. And that was an attack that I call it like the invisible peeping Tom. Right. So if you are with somebody else in a virtual environment, and it's a very private meeting. Maybe you're in a private date or whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, I'm actually there with you. You can't see me. You can't hear me. I can see you. I could hear you. I could see your interactions. I could see your avatar move. I could do all of these things. And and that's really scary. And why? I mean, why is that scary? I mean, it's scary for multiple reasons. First of all, people feel fully immersed. This is immersive technology. So the impact psychologically abused right inside VR is pretty much the same as the real world, right? So so there's all of these, you know, implication and, and, and there has been studies that have shown, you know, in virtual reality environments or in, in, in many of those environments, like I think every five minutes or seven minutes, and I forget what the source is for that, but we can probably find it online. There were at least one kid was being abused in those environment, right? So, wow. so, so it raises, you know, all of these questions, like are we doing our due diligence to make sure that this, these environments are safe? 
remember the the second life where you created avatars and there, you weren't doing virtual reality, but people were hacking into those rooms and, and you were having the same issues that you're kind of describing now. When people are now going into these metaverse and they're buying things and, and making the, the microtransactions that, that Facebook and all these other companies are hoping they're going to make some money off of, that's all now exposed as well? It is potentially. I mean, it really depends on the implementation of the technology, but you you are correct in identifying that a big portion of this metaverse is really a financial thing, right? People are buying land, virtual land, right? And maybe they'll be rich. I don't know. I was really against buying Bitcoin and look at me now. Um, <laughs> right? We can talk about all the news in the cryptocurrency world uh, and the billions of dollars left there, uh, lost there. But, but you know, I, I, I think it's just that financial portion is interesting. And a lot of it is really being pushed. If you look at the ecosystem, like they're like blockchain this and blockchain that. If you're like me, an academic, you're tired of the word blockchain and you're tired of the word machine learning because that's those are like the two big things like everybody just constantly were talking about. Now, people talk less about blockchain. I don't know if you noticed this, like no one is really talking about blockchain as much anymore. And and I think a big part of the, the metaverse situation is they were trying to leverage the whole financial aspect of cryptocurrencies to really create the the financial ecosystem of the so-called metaverse. So is there a way to safely get into the metaverse? First of all, the metaverse doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> we get online in a, no. in a metaverse room. But, but like, should, should it fully exist, right? It's, I don't think, I, I mean, nothing is really, if you're in my field, like the first thing you'll always say is nothing is really safe. Everything is, everything is not safe. I'm not against the idea of, first of all, one of the things that people don't really think about, and I said this at a conference in California, I think about two years ago, it was like the biggest conference for virtual reality and metaverse stuff and things like that. And I was like, the metaverse is nothing but an app store. And, and everyone's like, you're crazy. What do you mean? Like the metaverse is nothing but an app store. People are rushing. And I don't, you remember when the internet was, you know, coming along, right? People are creating websites. Right. Yeah. What was the thing like what was every company trying to be? I mean, this is a question I'm posing. They were trying to do what the porn industry was doing. They were trying to make money. OK, but well, <laughs> that's true. Right. <laughs> but what are they trying to like? What's every company's objective? Right. Like what was their objective? Like in terms of like think about Yahoo as an example. Right. Like what was their objective? Well, Yahoo was just trying to get people to come to their site and so they could put ads out there so they could sell advertising. There are different sites that were just billboard only information. There were some that were interactive, but most were trying to sell ads and make money and not have to charge you to come to their site. Right. So so they were building, right? If you think, you know, remember even Ask Jeeves and all, oh, the, all of that stuff, right? right? So they were building the, the, the portal to the internet. That's really what they were going after is they were trying to create the platform that you go to to do everything to go to any web page to to kind of serve you to become the front page like america this. online that's what i started with exactly that's all the metaverse is right i think if you think about what you know facebook is trying to do and what these companies are trying to do in my personal opinion they're trying to build that front page for all other ar and vr activities that could potentially happen in those environments so when i said 
the metaverse is nothing but an app store. You can think of it as like, hey, we have this platform. It's a virtual reality or an augmented reality app store. And you go there and, and you download this new experience. And that would be your new part of the metaverse that you can go to. But, but what Meta is trying to do and what companies are really trying to do is to become that America online or to become that front page for all of that future. So you said that, you know, obviously nothing is, is safe. Are there some things that you trust more than others? Are there some companies you trust more than others? Is there something where if you saw that, you're like, that's how, that's what I'm okay with. That's a big red flag to me. What are just kind of your like general feelings about how to navigate and how do you, if you're a listener out there who just wants to be able to digest some of this information better, what are things they can be on the lookout for? Well, it's it's very difficult, right? So unless we can get a, a pure reason, like a, an organization that is purely behind creating a metaverse for good, right? I think it's very hard to achieve that goal because I, you know, it's it, the, the main reason these things are happening is money, right? Like that's at the end of the day, that's what it is. And whatever, wh however, you're going to make more money. Like, I think I read an article once, and this is just an example, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's kind of genius and crazy at the same time. I think Uber did this thing where if they can detect your battery life is down to like a, a, a pure minimum and your phone's about to shut off and you're ordering an Uber, they would raise the fares on you because it's like you have to order it, right? Wow. So, so again, and I don't know if it's true, but it sounds like a plausible truth, right? And, and I think that that's one of the issues with the metaverse. So for it to be fully secure is not even a primary reason or a secondary reason. It's like a tertiary, not even a tertiary reason, right? So these ecosystems are being driven by financial means, right? Now, from a technology perspective, right, the only thing that we can do is make people aware of the choices that they're making. At the end of the day, we're humans, we make choices. That's a very important part of it. But if you were to ask me what's the important, what's the really important part of all of this, it's getting legislators to come back together about some of these issues that we're going to be facing. It's getting legislators to think about what age groups should, like if you think of the, of, of, of the VR system as a car, what are the age groups and what sort of parental controls, like a lot of these things don't even have the correct parental controls in place, right? Can or should we have in place? So at least from that perspective, we can start navigating what we should and shouldn't do and how we can think about the future of that world. So for the parents that are listening, listening out there and they've got that teenager who, hey, Christmas is coming and I want some VR goggles or AR goggles either way to because I want to get on the metaverse. What are you telling parents? We all did things we're not supposed to with technology at one part another or another, right? The the VR thing is is the VR thing is kind of interesting because if you think about it, if your kid is sitting there with their headset on, you can't see what they're seeing. Yeah. Right. So right. a lot of a lot of a lot of parents always ask me, well, how do I secure the computer that the kids are working on? I was like, number one, put it in your living room, right? Make sure that they're right there. 
So because the bad stuff is going to happen when they're not in front of you, right? So, so that's like the simplest, cheapest solution, at least uh, initially. You know, I think the, the, the VR stuff is really interesting because now they're in it and you can't see what they're seeing. You can't hear what they're hearing because they have their headphones on, right? And I think Oculus last year was like the, the biggest like Christmas gift that people were buying for their kids and stuff too. So obviously that, that's going to probably take off again. But I don't know. I, I, I'm a parent and, and, and it's tough. Uh, my my kid used to, and this is very interesting, I only realized this, she came home and she wanted to, to play Roblox every single day. I don't know if you've heard of Roblox. But we, we talked, talked about, it. about it on this show. Okay. Yeah, every single day. We had parental controls up to the wazoo where she can't chat with anyone and, and do the things that could lead to harm. But we, I guess because of all the parental controls we put in place, she came back and she just she stopped kind of playing it right she like after a while even though in the beginning she's like that's all i wanted to do all my friends are doing it it's the greatest thing ever and she kind of just phased out of it in in about five or six months so maybe we got lucky right i don't know maybe she'll go back to playing roblox a lot again but i think i think you start by ensuring that you're monitoring what your kids are doing and really doing that thoughtfully right well that was, um, that was certainly a rule in our house neither of our kids were allowed to take any internet facing device into their into their rooms everything had to be done at the kitchen table in the living room if what you're saying is true that maybe she phased out and if it's because you know if she got on to play with her friends but she can't chat with her friends then that is going to kind of harm that experience in some way. And so at a certain point in time you have to develop that relationship and develop that trust with them. And that's also very hard, but that's true of so many things in technology is that, you know, you can put in those parental controls, you can do all those things, but if a kid is smart enough, chances are they're going to learn the system better than you are. They're going to know all the ins and outs and they're going to find the loopholes. And so it's, you have to work with them and make sure that you're on the same page about why it is that those things exist in place. It's for their protection you're not just there to be the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, my daughter saw me put in the code when we were going to like the preschool to enter the door once to pick up her sister and she just got it. And now every time we go, she just puts in the code and I'm like, how'd you get it? So I looked at your hands, right? That's actually like, you know, ethical hacking 101, like social engineering, piggybacking, right? Like, so I was excited. I was like, you know, you just hacked me. And she's like, no, I didn't. I was like, yeah, you did. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough for me because sometimes I think I'm a horrible parent because I'm like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. But in our house, we're really, you know, they have tablets and, and we only got those because we were moving from Connecticut to Louisiana and we needed them to like stay on their tablets in the car. So, so that's the only time when we bought them tablets, right? Right now, they're really big into like we print so much stuff for them to color on. Right. So we're really, I don't know, I think, and I'm the computer person, right? And I'm still thinking like, we really need to rethink our strategies with kids. Like we don't want them to be disconnected. Yeah. Those are, those are really big, tough questions because of especially how fast it's changing that, you know, I was kind of right there on the bubble, but someone who was born 10 years older than me or 10 years later than me would have had really different experiences. And so that's such a tight window to have all of these things change so rapidly I can't imagine what that's like because you don't have that intuition as a parent of, oh, well, when I was a kid growing up, this is how we did it. Things are different now. Well, I can tell you as a kid, you and, and your brother both had the Game Boy DSs when we were driving around. So y'all would be entertained as we were going on vacation. So, I remember that. So, Abe, I get that, giving them tablets. Yeah, but 
But you know, I think the thing is, we talk about this, right? And this is the this is the reality. Like I talk about, it, it's like I think part of it is I don't want my kids to grow up like me. In what way? I I feel I'm addicted to my cell phone at this stage. Like there's no there's no I I you know I'm I feel like I'm coming out right now and saying I'm addicted to something. Like I'm addicted to my cell phone, right? Like I can't not have my cell phone around i'm waiting for my emails to come in i'm waiting for my messages to come in and i need to respond to them as quickly as possible because otherwise i'm not going to respond and it's going to go into my email abyss so i think part of it is like i don't want you to be like me please don't be like me you know and i don't know if you feel that way at least slightly oh Oh. i yes (laughs) you're you're amongst friends here do not worry well, Abe, really appreciate you coming back on Tech Gumbo. We look forward to having you back, and I promise I will get you some gumbo here before long. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, I'm just enjoying being here with you guys, and I, I really appreciate you all inviting me to this again, and we'll do that again. Awesome. Thanks, Abe. Thank you. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.